Hey, thank you for uh, tuning in. This is uh, Living 904. This is where we talk to local people, local businesses, community organizations here in the 904 and learn about them, learn about their business, learn about their industry, and so that you can understand more of what happens in our community, right? Getting engaged with our community. And I think now with having experienced 2020, that's even more important. Uh, so our guest today is Jackson Selvage, and he's going to be talking to us about insurance as well as being a, a business owner, you know. So Jackson, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for inviting me on. It's glad yeah. to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so let's just start real general. Uh, how did you get started, you know, in insurance? Well, it's a little bit of a long story here, but essentially, um, you know, graduated from FSU. I see your Seminoles ball up there. So go Knowles. Yeah, man. Um, and, you know, was looking for some things to do. I graduated with an applied economics degree and a business minor. Um, so just kind of trying to see where I fit in in the, in the business world and ended up getting first into uh, dental sales to kind of cut my teeth in the sales market. So I okay. had been doing that for probably three years or so, four years, and was spinning my wheels a little bit. I was living in Jacksonville as my territory, and my sister, uh, who's now my business partner in the um, insurance agency, got a job marketing for Brightway and kind of worked her way mm -hmm. up and eventually got to the point where she was the head of Brightway's marketing team. Um, wow. Yeah, so she was kind of mingling with the, um, the executives and everything like that and meetings and, and all that good stuff. But essentially, her job was training the new agency owners to be successful, um, you know, how to market in effective ways where you aren't just relying on buying leads, uh, yeah. you know, utilizing social media, all the things that kind of go into getting business in the door when you actually open. So yeah. I was playing around with the idea of, of getting into a different um, business. And she kind of started thinking about it as well of, you know, we could team up on this. You've got the sales side. I've got the marketing side of things. And, you know, started looking over the business models and it just slowly became more and more of a reality. Um, and we were able to, to make it happen and uh, get it open. We opened about July of 2018. So, you know, we're, uh, we're doing it. It was our, yeah. our parents were small business owners. Uh, my mom owns a, a retail store locally in Fernandina. Um, and my stepdad is actually in, in the mortgage game as well. I'm sure, you know, and, uh, that it had always been kind of a personal goal of ours, whether we knew it or not, you know, growing up in a small business family. Well, and you know, so you weren't too scared of, I guess, taking on such a venture. I mean, you know, you, you knew the realities you grew up with the reality. Yeah. Of a business I mean, owner. you kind of just, you know, and anybody who starts a business knows, but I always kind of heard growing up, they're like, well, Congrats on starting a business. You should make some money here after the first, you know, three years or so. Just, yeah. you, know, you kind of set your expectations accordingly and you know that going in, this is a, a long-term decision. It's not something that's a get rich quick or anything like that. But the big payoff in my mind is you're actually working towards something that, that's going to pay off for you in the end. You know, you're not yeah. putting in all this hard work to give it all to a boss or something like that. So that was the big appeal is being able to have some freedom. Um, you know, being somewhat business savvy, actually being able to make your own decisions and see how that plays out for you, as opposed to just kind of taking direction. Yeah. Yeah. The, when you were talking about 
And that's really about marketing and kind of leveraging social media. I know in our industry, that's a big topic. And, you know, the funny thing is, is mortgages are boring, you know? (laughs) So it's like, how do you engage with the community with that on, you know, nobody needs a mortgage until they need a mortgage. Um, So, I mean, that's interesting that even in, uh, I guess, a partner industry, that's what you guys are working on. I mean, how do you kind of leverage that for yourself? Honestly, you got to keep it light. Uh, My sister, who's, like I said, she's our marketing guru. I'm just kind of along for the ride. But that's the big challenge is how do you make something as boring as insurance interesting? You know, because it's the same thing. It goes along the same lines. Nobody really wants it. They don't really need it until they really need it, um, but it is an important part of the market, and it's something you have to have in certain situations. So, when we first started, we tried to, you know, we both grew up in the local community. So, in order to get more engagement, we didn't just focus on insurance. You know, if we just sat there and did insurance tips every week, we would never have gotten anybody to to pay attention. <laughs> so. We started out and tried to support local businesses with giveaways and things like that. We'd pick a, uh, a restaurant or something every quarter and, and you know, buy a $100 gift card and say, you know, follow us to support this local business and we'll you know, enter you in on the drawing. There was also a good amount of me making a fool out of myself and dressing up in <laughs> costumes <laughs> and things like that for different holidays. We yeah. did this big Santa suit and, you know, a thing for Easter. And so anything yeah. that, you know, I was willing to make some uh, some sacrifices to my <laughs> dignity mark- in order to yeah, trade it. Is like, this is your role. I come up with the ideas. You, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and we also up. tried to team up with some local people. Um, we had a, a local real estate agent who did a lot of uh, his own production work. So we did hurricane prep videos with him and things like that so that we could kind of cross promote it with our, our different pages and anything that we could do to help out our referral sources as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, 2020, obviously it's been a interesting year for everybody. Uh, as Say that. Owner, yeah. I'm sure it's been <laughs> even more so. I mean, you know, and a lot of changes happen you know, in insurance, and I know Brightway, y'all do a lot of types, a lot of different insurance. Um, but I mean, your industry, I mean, how's that been for this past year? Well, it's a, it's a loaded one because there's been a lot of different stuff going on. I mean, obviously 2020 hit, COVID started happening um, and we kind of got together as a small business and kind of were like, okay, well, here we are, you know, we, this is what we wanted, small business. So yeah. let's uh, cross our fingers that everything stays steady. So we started doing kind of alternate business plans of, okay, if we experience a big slowdown, if this turns into another 2008, for example, what are we going to do to combat that? How, what are we going to do to keep business coming in the door? Um, but honestly, luckily, it, we live in a very desirable location, and I'm sure you've seen it on your end as well, but it kind of had the opposite effect of what people were expecting. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing is a lot of people that have been located um, in larger metropolitan areas, you know, in New York, Chicago, kind of you name it, um, they no longer are required to be close to those locations, you know, and they might've been thinking about retiring or thinking about getting somewhere warmer once they were kind of at a point where they could. And this has kind of forced the subject where they actually can now. Most of them are working from home or even if they were close to retirement, might've just decided to go ahead and and pull the trigger on retirement with all this stuff going on. So 
to be honest, it, it, it has not impacted our business negatively just because there's a lot of people buying houses in our area right now, which is obviously good for, for both of our businesses. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, it was very scary uh, and it still is scary in a lot of ways. Um, but as far as business goes, we've been very fortunate in this area to be one of those places that is still a very desirable place to live. And um, everybody seems to be cashing out from wherever they were centralized and moving down here, not only because it's a good tax state, um, but because we've got warm weather and, you know, all that stuff to go along with it. So, um, you know, in that sense, it's better lucky than good, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, it's, my mom's a local realtor as well. And, you know, she, she was, she started in 05 and then the crash happened and it was, you know, so I, that was a personal too. It was like, wow, like March, April was like, is this going to be 08 all over again? And, yeah. and I think, you know, honestly, I think Jacksonville, 904, Florida, as you said, very desirable. So, you know, I know we've been fortunate more than most. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely the way I feel about it too, is it, it could have gone either way. Um, I think if there was more of an impact economically, if it, if it would have turned out that, you know, a lot of these businesses couldn't work remotely and more people are losing jobs and things like that, it's, it's really impacted a lot of, of areas, but there are some that have been sheltered from it. And a lot of those are based in those metropolitan areas, whether it's technology or banking, um, you know, it's all pretty much things that people can do remote. So those are a lot of the, uh, the people that we see moving down here that have just, you know, they can work anywhere now. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, any, you know, with insurance and I, and I, even I'm a, you know, ignorant to a lot of things, but any trends that you're excited about seeing or maybe coming up things changing and, you know, for 2021. Well, there's a, we're the trends we're seeing aren't necessarily good trends. Um, gotcha we're in what's referred to as a hard market right now, you know, insurance, just like anything else goes through these, these periods of, uh, you know, ups and downs, tightening of underwriting, loosening of underwriting. So for the last 10 years or so, it's been a really good insurance market in Florida and especially Northeast Florida. It's pretty much been underpriced in the big sense of things compared to the rest of Florida. You know, we are uh, statistically safer for hurricanes. You know, we don't seem to get as many of the, you know, knocking on wood over here, direct hits. But um, there's a lot of outside factors that have started shaking up the insurance market. Um, not to get too deep into it, but yeah. roofing companies have kind of exploited some of the loopholes that they've found where, you know, you have a little storm in your neighborhood. Next time, next thing you know, there's 10 roofers coming around, knocking on your doors, offering you free inspections. Um, yeah. And what's happening is, you know, a lot of these things that are usually attributed to wear and tear or maintenance, whereas in the past people might have just said, yeah, my roof's old, it needs to be replaced and kind of budgeted for it. Now they're going around saying, oh, you don't have to do that. You know, we can get you a free roof. That's uh, great. And, yeah. and, you know, and they're doing their job and they're trying to make money just like anyone else. But um, what's happening is if the insurance company tries to fight back on it, They've got these lawyers on retainer um, and the lawyers have exploited the market in a sense as well, where they get fee multipliers. So mm -hmm. let's say it's a $10,000 fee for the lawyer. Now they can add a fee multiplier of two or three times where it turns it into 30,000, where it would have been 10,000. Um, yeah. 
And unfortunately, and I'm sure a lot of people in this area have noticed, rates have been going up drastically. Uh, yeah. And I think the big misconception is that the insurance companies are getting greedy and they're just pile, you know, sitting on piles of cash. And that's why you're experiencing these rate increases. And the reality is most of them are not operating in the profit right now. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pretty heavy year for storms, you know, all over the place. And what drives a lot of that is reinsurance, which not a lot of people are familiar with, but essentially reinsurance is the big picture insurance for insurance companies. So if right. we get hit with the thousand year storm, even if they get to the point where they're going to go bankrupt, their reinsurance policy will make sure that they can pay out all their claims. So it's required by law to have it. Everybody's got to have a certain amount compared to what's on their book of business. And what happened is the people who give reinsurance, which is only really like one spot to get it, they increased the rates 25 to 30% this year. It hasn't. Wow. Yeah. And it has not jumped like that since oh four i believe where we had those back-to-back -back storms i'm sure everybody that lived in florida remembered we had you know two or three storms <laughs> in a year so it hasn't really increased like that since that time and when you're already kind of getting kicked when you're down um it's it forces them to take these drastic rate increases just to stay in compliance because if they get below a certain threshold they'll stop being recognized as financially stable and at that point you know you guys, your end won't even recognize it as legitimate insurance. So yeah. the whole reason of staying in business is to, you know, get homeowners so that your loan can get through. So if the loan companies aren't recognizing you for financial stability, there's not really a point of even being in business. So kind of a long winded way to say it, but the common misconception is that these rate increases are going into their pocket and that they're just loaded or you know or they're the bad guy trying to get get yeah. one over on you but in, in a sense they're trying to stay alive just like any business well and it's it's one of those things just like every industry you know you can see some bit of information and that's just like the tip of the iceberg and i mean you know there's just so much more and you know and you know i know you've been great when we've worked together and helping educate and and talk to people explain to them the complexities of insurance like it's not just you know, it's just not this, you really setting the expectation of what that looks like. And, you know, things are changing. Um, you know, we all know that we just don't know to what extent for each, each of us. Um, yeah. So. And what we're seeing, I mean, kind of as a result of what you'll see on the consumer side is not just the, oh, my rate went up. It's the insurance companies are being forced to try to combat the roofing companies so what's happening now is where you used to could have your roof for up to 20 years. Now they're saying, hey, we can't take anything past 10 because we just can't risk having to pay out, you know, a $20,000 roof on a $1,500 policy when yeah. it really could last another 10 years. It's these adverse effects that people don't really get. And it's great to get a new roof if you need one. And that's obviously what insurance is for is, you know, if you have a catastrophic event and you need help, yeah, file that claim and get that new roof. But you know, there is a line somewhere, you know, a happy medium of, is that maintenance because your roof is at the end of its life or was it caused by a storm? Yeah. Um, so they're still seeing claims coming in from Irma. I mean, three years later, um, or even more, we, our carriers are still having lawyers fight them saying, oh yeah, well, this was caused by that hurricane that long ago. And you yeah. know, what do you do? It's like, it's a yeah. tough situation for everybody. Uh -huh. So, I mean, you know, if you, 
and it might be another loaded question, but like one common myth about your, you know, the profession, the field uh, that you would want to debunk. Like if you had your one. Um, yeah, that is a little tough one, but <laughs> I would say uh, one myth about me first or about, you know, being in this business is a lot of times I feel like we take the brunt of, you know, you raised my rate. Why did you put me with this company? And, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it gets blamed on the agent. And honestly, we, we just have to follow the rules. There's nothing we can do to change the rate. Even if I really wanted to, I, you know, there's nothing, they have to file these rates with the office of insurance regulation. Any rate increase has to be approved by their board before they can even put it in place. So it's a very long process for them to change anything about it. And when they're making these changes, most of the time, it's it's not to increase their profit. It's it's really to decrease Keep their losses. Yeah, I mean, it's so, you know, me as a broker, we work with a lot of different companies. And uh, as you can imagine, we're getting a lot of calls these days about rate increases. And we just do the best we can to explain to them that, you know, you unfortunately are not alone. And this is something that's just market wide right now. And there's not really anything that we can do um, as agents besides reshopping you and trying to get you a temporarily better rate. Um, but I don't unfortunately make the rules or I can't yeah. you know, enforce them or anything like that. We're, we're you know, distributing a product yeah. um, and we do the best we can to find the best coverage for the best price for you. But the market's the market and you know there's only so much we can do to control that um mm. but regarding more just the insurance uh, market in general i would say one of the biggest i don't know about myths but misconceptions is the sense of hurricane coverage and how it um, relates to flood so i'm sure you know from your end but um if you are in a flood zone or even if you're not in a flood zone the only thing that protects you from flooding is a separate flood policy unless mm -hmm. you have some type of flood endorsement on a homeowner's policy, which is pretty rare. Uh, but I hear people say all the time, like, oh, I'm not in a flood zone. I don't need flood insurance or, oh, I'm covered. You know, if it's a hurricane and it floods, I've got hurricane coverage. But there's a, a really distinct line there where, you know, one, everyone in Florida in a coastal area is technically in a flood zone. You might not be in a hazard flood zone, yeah, um, but it's definitely possible. I always tell people if it can rain, it can flood. And, you know, if there's any flood due to rising water, whether or not it's during a hurricane, that is only going to be covered by a flood policy. So that's yeah. probably the biggest thing, especially people from out of state that aren't used to being in coastal areas. Um, and I think it kind of starts with a little bit of misinformation, probably on the front end of the sale where someone, either the person that's selling the house or, you know, it could be the seller, it could be the realtor, anybody like, oh, fine, don't you're, I don't carry flood insurance. You're not even in a flood zone. And then yeah. that's kind of a dangerous road to go down because about 20 to 25% or so of national flood insurance claims come from outside of hazard zones. So, yeah. you know, ask anybody in North Carolina or Houston when they had that, hurricane that dumped, you know, 50 inches of rain on them. It doesn't matter where you are. If you get hit with a major storm that just rains, 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 the water's going somewhere, especially yeah. when you live in a place like us, that's been so widely developed in the short term. We don't really have good information about all that developed land. Now that the trees aren't there and the, you know, the open lands aren't there, where is that water going to flow if we do get hit with it? So I always offer flood insurance to all my customers for that reason and try to make sure that they understand the distinction because yeah. it's a tough one. It's, and it, it is funny because people are like, 
you know, oh, the home's not in a flood zone. And I've even mentioned, I'm like, well, yes, it's not in a technical flood zone, but your home is in Florida, you know, and we're surrounded by three parts by water. Like, yeah, you know, there's a real, and then, you know, we've got rivers and lakes and stuff. So, um, well, and the know. government is the one that distinguishes all that. And it's a little bit of an antiquated system. There's a new flood rating system coming down the pipeline whenever they get it ready. It could be <laughs> a year, it could be 10 years, who knows with them. But, um, you know, Amelia Island, for example, you can have uh, a hazard flood zone off the island, um, you know, not even really near any water, but you can be on the beach and be in flood zone X, which is not a hazard flood zone. So yeah. you kind of look at that as like, I don't know if I really trust uh, exactly. You know, if I'm on the beach, I want flood insurance. I don't care yeah. what the zone is. It's just amazing that it's, it's all driven off elevation. And they think, well, if you're a high enough elevation, you're out of it when in reality you're sitting on the ocean. So, yeah. you know, just goes to show you. Well, and, and, you know, I think, and I think even in a, the mortgage industry is, you know, when you're talking to a customer about stuff and they're wanting to talk about rates and prices and it's, it's like, well, you know, a loan is, you know, it's built on risk, mm -hmm. you know, essentially and insurance, if anything, I mean, that's, it's risk. And so, but that idea that people have is like, Oh, there's, there's nothing to be concerned about. Like, you know, I'm good. So, you know, again, you educating people and talking to them about it, it's like, you know, be prepared, you know, know these things. Exactly. Giving them options. So, yeah. Well, and I'm a free will type of guy, you know, all I can do is give you the information and I can give you as much as I can. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's your house. You know, you would have to make that decision of whether you're okay with accepting that risk. Everybody yeah. has different situations. So if, if you're okay with it, that's absolutely your right. Um, all I can do is, is give you the information and, and tell you what I know about it and let you make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the other thing too is like as a small business owner moving forward, I mean, what's y'all's, you know, you've, you've had some business plans, you're kind of, but you're setting, you're getting prepared for 2021. I mean, what would you, what, recommendations would you give to other business owners, you know, starting a business and getting prepped for the next year? You know, every business is different, but. Sure, sure. Um, I would say, you know, now more than ever is the time to be active, you know, be active in the community, be active, like I said, on social media, be at the forefront because, you know, these are tough times for everybody. And these are kind of the make or break points um, for a lot of businesses. So while a lot of times it's easy to get complacent if you've owned a business for a while or, you know, somebody who has a long history, I feel like that's what we're trying to do is even if our business is doing well, we're trying to do whatever we can to help out the other businesses in our local community, whether yeah. it's restaurants or bars or anybody who's been hit the hardest by this, you know, we're trying to do anything we can to help them as well. Um, yeah. Cause that's, what's really going to lose the heart of our community is all these small businesses that make up our community. Um, yeah. where, where I live in Amelia Island, almost all of our restaurants are privately owned. Almost all of our bars are privately owned. We don't have a lot of chain stuff. So that's what makes it a desirable location is it it's unique and people take pride in their businesses. And it's just so tough to see what's been going on and see them hurting. So, you know, when this first happened, I was, going out, getting everything, pick up orders, whatever I could do to help out my favorite restaurants, because I don't want to see them go either. I love good yeah. food. I, I, would, I would hate to lose a, a good spot in our community. So that's the, all I can say is just buckle down and 
batting the hatches and hopefully it gets better before it yeah. gets, you know, hopefully it can't get any worse. I mean, <laughs> again, it's 2020. Yeah, it's not say anything uh, that we can't back up, but, but yeah, it's just, uh, you go into, I don't want to say crisis mode, but you just try to do the best you can with what you got and, and give it your all because, and hope that you get the, you know, the support from your community as well, that they see what you're putting in and they give you back just as much. Yeah. But then that's such a different way of thinking, I think as well for, you know, just any business of like, rather than me worrying about myself, I'm going to, I'm going to worry about the others and do what I can to help them. And like you said, like you were delivering food to people, like helping where you can. Um, that's such a different way of thinking, you know, and really actually saying, Hey, I'm here and part of my community. And, and I have a business that we may not technically have sister relationships, but mm-hmm. I want to succeed just as much as me. So well, like just- I said, I mean, I kind of came, I come by it honestly, given that I grew up in a family that had a small business locally. So I think you get kind of a different perspective um, when you start a business and you start realizing that there are so many people in your group that might have started a business or might have some affiliation. And you, I feel like you almost want to go out of your way now. It's like you understand the struggle of trying to get business in the door and trying to get people to support you. So if I have any opportunity to support someone locally, especially that I have a relationship with or I know personally, absolutely, they're going to be my first call, um, you know, because you realize how much, in a sense, that you are spending your money in places that might be going to corporate companies where, you know, you might have somebody locally that has the same product. So we try to shop small, we try to, you know, donate and things like that to local, whether it's charities or events or or whatever it is, some part of, um, you know, we're part of the chamber. I'm part of uh, a new Rotary Club that just started the Greater Nassau Rotary Club. We just chartered a couple of weeks ago for the more Nassau County area, yeah. and you know, we're I'm trying to work with them as well to to help out the people that are hard hit in the community. We've been doing food drives with Barnabas and all that stuff, which you can't have a successful business without a successful community. Is the way yeah. I kind of look at it. That's brilliant. Um, so any. Any funniest stories that you can tell us from the insurance world? I mean, you know, I'm sure it's pretty casual every day. Yeah. I mean, funny stories. We don't get as many funny stories as we get kind of tragic stories, unfortunately. Um, I guess more of an anecdote, uh, I would say that, you know, people don't really think about. We deal almost exclusively with liability. You know, that's kind of what our business is based around. So it kind of gives you a un- unique vantage. You know, now I go into places and I'm like, oh man, no handrail there. You know, it's yeah. just you kind of think in worst case scenarios. And uh, a financial advisor I was talking to recently told me, you know, the biggest way or one of the biggest ways to lose net worth is by not having proper liability, whether that be liability for your business, whether that be an umbrella policy, that if you're someone that has significant assets, that you've got extended liability in the millions, just in case you do get into that car wreck, or you do have that accident on your property or something like that. He said, that is almost the number one way, only second to divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, that's probably a good, good point there, but yeah, I guess it's good to hear that divorce isn't the main killer. There's so, it's, it's definitely up there, you know, but uh, yeah. liability is something that a lot of people just don't think about. And especially in today's days where 
people love buying investment properties, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, you know, they buy if they have extra money, they've got a condo or they've got a house that they rent out and that provides that extra income for them. But along with that does come the liability of you're renting out your house to a tenant. You're having people come and go if someone gets hurt or if something happens to the house and it somehow falls back on you. You want to make sure that you have liability in place um, to counteract that, because let's face it, Florida, if there's one thing we're not short of, it's lawyers. Um, you know, I have people <laughs> tell me that from out of state, too. They're like, why is there so many lawyer billboards in Florida? I'm like, well, because they're making money. That's, yeah. you know, that's the good answer. But it works. So it works. Yeah, they're, they've yeah. got a successful model here. So. Um, but you know, it's just, we hear mostly things like that, things that are more open your eyes to, uh, what can happen and what has happened to people. One that comes to mind is, uh, you know, a woman had a a horse on her land, fenced in, you know, private property, no trespassing signs, absolutely everything that you think you would have to do to keep yourself safe. Somebody, whether or not they were intoxicated, maybe they were, maybe they weren't, and climbed her fence at night, tried to ride her horse, got stepped on and hurt pretty bad, and she got sued and they won. You know, and it's things like that where you're like, how is that possible? He trespassed on her land illegally and all that stuff. And it really comes down to, you know, somebody gets injured, they've got a a pretty sad story about their life now that they're injured and what they've lost. And regardless of all the things that you do to protect yourself, you know, yeah. you still need that liability coverage. Cause you could end up in a situation like that, where it's like, there's not really anything else you could have done. You just ended up in a bad scenario. And here you are with X number of liability on your head for something that you feel like you really probably shouldn't have been responsible for. Yeah. So it's, a, it's crazy things like that and not knowing, you know, you, like you said, you, think you've got everything covered and not knowing there's that safety net. So yeah. yeah. So Good it's just you know, expect the worst and uh, hope for the best in the sense of liability. Anybody who does an insurance policy. Yeah. And that's why, you know, umbrellas are something that no one really talks about, but an, an umbrella is essentially, it starts at about a million dollars and it sits in the background. So whether it's for your auto, your home, your boat, whatever you have a liability coverage on, as long mm-hmm. as you have enough underlying liability, if something terrible ever were to happen, let's say you have a $500,000 limit on an auto policy, but you have a $2 million umbrella in the background, you can do a terrible wreck and they come after you for a million dollars. After that 500 is exhausted, you're on the hook for the other 500. So that would be where an umbrella comes in and it's kind of for a worst case scenario type type thing, but not really expensive. I recommend them highly for anyone who has anything to lose, honestly, especially yeah. if you're retired, limited income, which a lot of people in Florida are. Yeah. No, great. Great to know. Um, all right. So you've, you've lived here all your life, you know, the area, you know, your community, what to you is the best kept secret here in the 904? <laughs> well, let me start off by saying I moved here about fourth grade. So the way that locals treated here, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> still an outsider, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I know the feeling, I know the feeling. But man, I, I'm I'm a big, I love to cook. Me and my fiance love to cook and we love to go explore new places to eat and cocktails. You know, we love doing all of that. And I have to say one thing that is like one of my favorite places where I live, um, I'm a big taco guy. And it's really tough to find some like true authentic tacos. And if you haven't tried it, you should go. But La Serena on the island, uh, on Amelia Island, is this little place that started out as, as more of like kind of a 
Spanish grocery store, um, which it kind of still is. There's a little part that's the grocery store and they've got the, uh, the glass bottle Cokes from Mexico and Ecuador yep. and all these places. So you can go in, get yourself a little something from the grocery store side and then go sit down and they have amazing tacos. Um, and they're all just done. I mean, I, I'm assuming as authentic as it can be. I only have so yeah. much experience, but some of the best tacos I've ever tasted and just, Love you know, kind of getting the the feel of, of being in kind of like a little family environment. You know, you can tell that, that some, yeah. it's a privately owned business. It's not a, a chain or anything like that. And they just made a whole business off whipping up good tacos at the back of a little grocery store. So I think you I kind of love hole in the walls like that. Yeah. I mean, I think some like tacos talk, you either like really love tacos or you're like, oh yeah, I'll eat a taco. But like, if you really love taco, you know, a good taco. Oh yeah. Carnitas. Carnitas is my taco. So for them, they've, they've definitely got the best I've tasted in this area. I say it all the time. I'm like, if somebody in Northeast Florida or even like the top half of Florida could come in contact with it, I I, I would put them up against anybody. We could do the Pepsi so challenge. Think, all yeah. Cause I haven't been there yet. And cause I grew up on the Island. So where, cause so, I'm now, where I have to go here now. The old Fred's, if you know where Fred's is right. Yeah. Before, yeah. So it's in the old Fred's building. They, they okay. repurposed it, but okay. right there near downtown, um, there's yeah. a new brewery next to it called first love. That's also a great place to check out if you haven't been there. Okay. So then that's, that's new there. I haven't seen that place yet. So now I got, oh, I was, I was about to say, now, now you got home. me started, but yeah. Um, <laughs> first, first love is, is one of the newer ones on the Island and they have great food as well. Um, a young couple started it, great beers, um, you know, new build out, they're putting some good stuff on there. And then also, I don't know if you know about Mokama, but Mokama is even newer right there on eighth street. Um, Okay. New brewery, no food there yet, uh, but man, tremendous beers, very locally driven, and they are actually like on a distribution plan. So you could see all their stuff in the local restaurants. I'm sure you'll start to see it in Jacksonville eventually. They've got a canning line and all that good stuff. So they're uh, they're working on a little bit of a bigger scale. Awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of new signs. I've been hearing a lot, so it's great to hear that. Like, okay things are still moving forward for them. So that's awesome to see. They and are. For Island as well, you know? Yeah. And I'm happy to see it too. You know, that's, that's what worried me the most is just how commercial real estate's going to do. You know, is this going to discourage people from starting a business just because of the fear that something else like this could pop up in the future. And, you know, you hope that that doesn't deter people from following their dreams. Cause it seems like those are always the best businesses where you're really yeah. passionate about it. Um, so, you know, I, I still encourage anybody go for it. You know, it's, it's yeah. worth the plunge and, you know, we'll do everything in the local community to support you that we can. Awesome, man. Well, so if people want to connect with you, talk to you about insurance or your other favorite restaurants to go to, <laughs> what's the best way for them to reach out? Well, um, you know, you guys, you can obviously follow us on social media. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Brightway, the coastal agency. Um, you can reach us here at the office uh, anytime. You know, we don't have a phone tree. The phone rings directly to myself, my sister, or um, our other employee, Callie, who who has recently joined us in the last couple of months. And that Which number, I, to, I get you get them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not everybody does it that way, but um, you know, that's the way we want to keep it. Is you know, if at all possible, we never want to have to have you ring through to someone 
that's kind of the appeal of working with a local agent is you can call me up, you know, you can ask me your questions um, as opposed to getting somebody new every time at a yeah. call center. So, uh, but our number here at the office is 904-712-6300. We'll put that in the show notes as well as your, uh, your tag and your handle. But yeah, Jackson, appreciate I appreciate that. you taking the time, man. To uh, Of course. To Thanks for having me. It's my inaugural uh, podcast appearance, so yeah, you got the first yeah. one. Feel, feel happy first about that. Many, right? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, thank you again, man. You of have a course. good one. You as well. And thank you guys for listening and watching. And again, reach out to Jackson. He, you know, The reason I wanted to have him on the show was because he educates and he supports. So you know, thanks for watching. This is Living 904.